Amen. Right, so let's get into this. Now, uh, in the past weeks now, uh, say a couple of months now, I've been talking about spiritual gifts, the gift of the Spirit. And we categorize them into three, uh, revelation gifts, power gifts, and utterance or inspiration gifts. So revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, understanding of spirit, which we've covered those ones. And we got into power gifts, and these are the gifts that do something, the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Uh, in case you're actually um, um, joining us for the first time on this, uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians uh, 12, and we're going to read from verse 7 to 11 to um, find in the Bible where these gifts are. Right, so let's, let's do my Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, let's go there. Amen. So this reads, it says, uh, I'll start from verse 7. I'm reading the New King James Version. It said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another by faith, by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I've covered, I've tried to cover the interpretation of most of those things there in the previous weeks. Please avail yourself to the messages from previous weeks for understanding, for clarity of uh, terms like as he wills, the gift in a one and same, one and self same spirit, amen. Uh, someone may say, uh, Well, you've been doing this for nearly 13 weeks now, so is that not too long? Um, when you listen to the messages or when you watch them, you see, you see why, um, we have to teach to help people understand. Can I quickly correct us that the, the word of God is to be understood so that we can apply it? If we don't understand it and we can apply it. What we have is head knowledge, and head knowledge doesn't help anyone. Information about the word about God does not help people. Revelation knowledge, revelation understanding, supernatural, no, supernatural experience with God by being born again and understanding his word is what enables us to experience the power of God. Okay, that may sound technical. Let me rephrase it. Now, when you have revelation, understand the spiritual understanding of the things of God, spiritual understanding of the principles of God, spiritual understanding of the word of God, right? You'll be able to experience his power. But if you go by only head knowledge or you can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you do not have a spiritual revelation of it, spiritual insight about those things, right? They will not really profit you. And that's why we have a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of irresponsible Christians all around us who, has, who, are, who can quote scriptures and they are hurting people uh, because they do not understand this, they don't understand the context of the word of God. And there's more to it. I'm trying not to go too much into, into that this morning because of our time. But what I'm trying to say is that we must learn to, you know, to spend time with God's word and to seek spiritual insight. Find, um, on a final note on this one, remember this. God is spirit. 
Jesus said in the book of John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And the Bible tells us that the letter kill it. The letter, just the words in the Bible don't help, right? But it's a spirit, the spirit behind those words, the inspiration behind those words is what gives life. So when you're reading your Bible, uh, you should be trusting God and the help of the Holy Ghost to have spiritual insight into what you are reading. Many professors, theologians, have read the Bible and they, they, they have logical ideology. Probably it's my grammar this morning. They have logical ideology, logical sense of the Bible and they will speak it, they will talk about it. But, you can, but they cannot experience the power of God because the word of God is not just the letters you read. The word of God is the spirit behind, the inspiration behind those words. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right, so um, in the past, I think it's episode four now of the working of miracles. The working of miracles is a power gift. You know, the one of the gifts that do something. This is uh, when a person, by the uh, inspiration of the Holy Ghost, right, is able to... For instance, speak the word of God or act on the instruction of the Holy Ghost to see a miracle, to see God's will come to pass, to see the supernatural, the supernatural power of God intervene in the natural course of nature, right? And this is not done by just, um, I'll put, okay, let me rephrase that. Now, just, any, just anyone cannot wake up in the morning and say they want to operate the gift of the, of, of the gift of miracles. Now, when the Bible says to us in the book of 1 Corinthians 12 that the Holy Spirit distributes this as a will, as it wills, is this. When there's a need for it, when the believer needs it, when the body of Christ needs it, need a miracle, a supernatural intervention. Do you know what happens? The Holy Spirit, right, through a person who believe that God can do a miracle, God can step in in that situation, the Holy Spirit walks through, can, you know, and he just, he, you know, yeah, anybody who believes, let me make it simple here, who believe, right? The Holy Spirit can walk through them to, you know, to walk a miracle in the life of a believer. But can I say this? Miracles were not the original plan of God for mankind. Right? Miracles were not original plan of God for mankind. Miracles were not. If, the, if mankind did not fall into sin, there was no need for miracles, right? Now, in the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, right, when God created the universe, when God created the world, right, everything was perfect in a sense. Um, I mean, man was created not to even, human beings, when I say man, I mean human beings, were not created to even die. Now, death came into the world, according to Romans chapter 5, verse, from verse 12, that death came into the world, both spiritual and physical death, came into the world, world when Adam sinned. And um, if, you look at what, if you look at miracles, right, you, I mean, you know, when we say that miracles is an intervention of the supernatural in the natural, if you look at it most, most of the time, especially when it comes to God intervening in a situation among believers, it is usually to redeem, to restore, to encourage. So if it was to redeem, then something must have been broken. If it was to restore, it means something must have been stolen. If it is to heal, then something must have been sick. And if something was stolen, if something was sick, if something was, you know, something died, who's behind it? Satan, 
Jesus told us in the book of John chapter 10 verse 10 that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if miracles happen to heal, to restore, to deliver, right, it means that if there was no need for those, if those things don't happen or could not happen, there will have been no need for a miracle. It makes sense? So we saw the story of the pattern of the Red Sea. Now, if sin had not come into the world, we would not have someone like Pharaoh, Pharaoh, who was very evil, like an evil man whose heart was hot against the, doesn't even have a sense of God, does not know God. If there was no fall of man, we would not have a situation where, uh, we would not have had a situation of Pharaoh. And if sin were not in the world, there would not have been a famine in Egypt. Because the Garden of Eden was, a, was kind of a paradise that God created for human beings to live forever. Right? So famine came into the world through the scene of Adam when Satan had legal access to control the world. So from the very, very onset, man, you know, what God created did not require a miracle. It was the fall of man that necessitated the, the intervention of supernatural, of God in the natural. And if sin had not even entered the world, when we're talking about negative kind of miracles a few weeks ago, right, demons would not have had right and authority to destroy things. So if miracles were not the original intention and plan of God for humankind, then believers should not try to believe in for miracles. Amen. Miracles are what? The supernatural intervention in the natural uh, realm. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope that helps a little bit. Now, let's carry on. So that is uh, something I feel in my heart to share with you as God laid in my heart during the week. So believers should not, should not seek miracles. Miracles can happen, and we should experience miracle, miracles when there is a need for them, but we should not leave for them. Amen. Jesus sent us to raise disciples, preach the gospel. You know, the Bible says in the book of uh, Mark 16, he said, and when the disciples went preaching, said the Bible says, and God confirmed his word with signs and wonders following. Right? God will confirm his word as we... What is it confirming? It's confirming his word. It confirms what is word with signs accompany. He didn't ask us to go do signs and wonders. The primary assignment of the believer is to know the word of God. Because the word of God is what is able to build us up. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Not that you shall see my signs and wonders and they will make you free. It's the word of God, the understanding, the revelation word of God that brings deliverance most of the time. And it is the revelation understanding of God's word that helps people to keep their deliverance. You know, when one man said that there should be no such thing as a deliverance ministry, I agree with him. I agree with him. And I'm going to teach on deliverance in future. Because if you have to always go to church for deliverance, like Papa Egan said, then it means you were not delivered from whatever demon or demon or devil, evil you had in the first place. So in my own opinion, there should be no such thing that a person say they are called to a deliverance ministry, casting people out of, casting demons out. If you can find it in the word of God, if you can find it in the, in the ministry of Jesus, then show me. Because Jesus did not ask us to go and cast out devils. He asked us to go and preach the word. And he said, if we believe, we'll do the signs and miracles that he did. We should get things right. Are we going to cast out devils in the name of Jesus? Absolutely. Are we going to lay hands on the sick to recover? Absolutely. Are we going to lay hands on people to receive the... Uh, 
um, the baptism of the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of tongues? Absolutely. But not to seek deliverance, not to... No. Now, most of the churches that, you know, that are focused on deliverance, deliverance, I've met countless numbers of members of such church. Many of them do not know the gospel. I'm not exaggerating. I know what I'm saying. And it's so interesting how much demons and devils they see in their life, the manifestation of the devils they see in their life that I don't see. And the members of my church will not see. Because it's in our business what the devil is doing. Can I say to you, when you are very conscious of the devil, you give him access into your life to show off. Because what you are conscious of becomes more of your reality. So you're into your business how demons are operating. Just focus on the word of God. Amen. So all of this, I'm still trying to buttress that point that from the onset, miracles were not God's original intention for mankind and believers should not be seeking miracles. Amen. Right, so, if you, so I started talking about uh, the downside of living a miracle-centered life, right? And I covered a few points. You know, miracles can be performed by different forces other than God and that's why we've got to be careful. Um, and we've looked at other examples and I also said that, uh, let me see this, um, in, people who live from miracle to miracle or from miracle to miracle you know, cannot develop an re intimate relationship with God because they'll be seeking what they want to get or what they can get. So a few more points I want us to look at this today. Now, uh, so when people live from miracles to miracles, they cannot grow spiritually. What did I say? They cannot grow spiritually if we go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, uh, verse Peter chapter 2, I think let's read it from verse, let me see what I have. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter 2, 1. I'll read it 1 and 2. This is a New King James. It reads, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the world, that you may grow thereby. Oh, verse 2. Desire what? Miracles. Desire signs? No. What should you desire to grow? The word of God. The word of God. So, when people are obsessed with miracles, can they grow? No, they can't. Because the word of God that grows people. Amen. It's the word of God that Gross people, not miracles. One second, guys. Uh, my notes just went out of. Uh, let me say this: uh, the oil in box. Okay. Uh, miracles. You know this this technology thing. When you, yeah, just be one second. Let me get it. Fantastic, right? So, what gross people? Is the word of God. And when they say spiritual growth, we're talking about revelation, understanding of God. Developing intimacy with God. Being able to walk and live a life that Christ wants you to live. Now, we were all recreated in Christ Jesus to represent God on earth. Jesus called us the light of the world. Amen. Believers are called to demonstrate the power of God on earth. Not miracles. I'm saying this cautiously here. And when we say demonstrate the power of God, the, word, the power of God is in his word. The Bible says that God is upholding all things by spiritual 
um, by the word of his power. Right. The, God's power is in his word. And the power of God is all. Okay. God's power is in his word. And we have the Holy Ghost in us who executes the power, who manifests the power of God in God's word. So you have two combinations there the word of God and the spirit. So God has called us to go into the word, preach the gospel, make disciples of people, demonstrate his power in the world to heal, to deliver, to help people. Uh, is it First Timothy chapter 2 tells us that you know, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the, the primary assignment of the believer is to preach the gospel, make disciples of people, and help the people to come to know God so that they can walk with God. Amen. So from the things I've called out, have you seen miracles then? So just being miracle conscious, miracle centered, people cannot grow spiritually. And you can test it. You can, if you can find one or two believers or say, let's do, let's do um, some kind of, um, I can't remember how what these things I did in school, research. Go and pick 50 people at, at random in miracle seeking churches, miracle performing church in the sense, and ask them, Questions about the gospel. Why did Jesus come? Why did he die? Why did he resurrect? What's the significance of the death, the resurrection of Christ Jesus? Who is a believer? Who is a Christian? What's our relationship like with God before and after we are in Christ Jesus? How are we supposed to live our life in Christ Jesus? Ask them such questions. You look like a stupid person to them. Just like the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the, the ordinary man cannot understand the things of the spirit. You think because they go to church, they understand spiritual things. No, they don't. Because the word of God is not planted in their heart. Amen. So that's one point you should bear in mind. If you're always seeking for miracles, you will not grow spiritually. You cannot know God. And to tell you that they do not know God, like I said last week, that's why they will be saying the, 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 the father of this, the father of this, the God, God of this, God of my fathers, God of daddy, God of father, God of prophet, God of this, do my own, do for me. No, such people do not know God. Because if you know God, that God is your father, and God is not the God of your spiritual father, but God is your own father in Christ Jesus, and you're a joint heir with Christ. When you know that, you don't go and trouble the man of God to, to lay hands on you because you are traveling. You want them to pray over you for protection. No, you have the Holy Ghost inside of you who can tell you whether to go or not to go. But sometimes when you're in doubt, you can speak to your pastor about it, and it can confirm what God is already saying to you in your heart. You've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You are a child of God. Friends, you know what? See, you don't need a middleman between you and God because that middleman, the high priest in the Old Testament has been taken away. You have access to the Father. It dwells on the inside of you. You can speak to God about any situation. Amen. I've met a few men of God who've come to tell me something that the Holy Spirit tells me that they didn't hear God. And they were so confident I had God. I had one experience not too even long ago. They'll tell you, I had God. God is telling me this. God, but it's a lie. Because God on the inside of me is telling me that that's not true. With scriptures, backing up with scriptures, and they are saying something on their mind. You have access to the Father. Amen. So that's why you have to be taught. We all have to be taught the word of God so that we know God for ourselves. And then no one will be able to deceive us. You know, people go around saying all manner of things about Christians. They say, look at the pastor doing this. Look at the pastor doing that. How can the pastor do this? Who told you he's a pastor? If you read the Bible, if you know the Bible, you will know that person is not a pastor. 
Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. If you know the word of God, you can differentiate between who a pastor, who a pastor really is and the pastor who called themselves a pastor. Anybody can pick up a building can, can, and can come up with a name and start a church. But they a pastor? No. Well, if you know who a pastor really is, if you know what, what the Bible says, what Jesus says about a pastor, if you follow the example of Jesus, you can know who truly is a pastor. Amen. So everyone should go read their Bible. So if you see anything out there that, that catches your attention or that surprises you or that makes you uncomfortable, where's your reference point? The Bible. Go to the Bible. What does the Bible say versus what you see? As opposed to judging Christianity or judging Christ or assessing Christ or pointing finger at Christianity based on the example of you see in human beings. Many human beings are not a reflection, neither do they exemplify what the Bible says. You don't look at people, you look at Christ. You look at the Bible. So your Bible is a blueprint. And you match and compare everything you see against with what the Bible says. A division from the Bible, you know that's not Christianity. Amen. Praise God. So that's one point. On that point, I want to call out today is this. Uh, where did I stop now? So, when people seek miracles, you know what happens to them? When they are miracle-minded, they are susceptible to demonic manipulation. They are what? Susceptible to demonic manipulation. I will also say deception. So, let's combine two points there. People are susceptible or vulnerable to demonic manipulation and deception. So, we look at two uh, Bible we did two Bible reading here. So let's start with Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. And then we look at Acts chapter 8. Matthew 24, 24. Uh, Jesus says here... I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. To what? To deceive, if possible, even the elect. Do you know who the elect is? Believers. Christians. Born-again Christians. Primarily, people who are not believers, who are not children of God, will be deceived. Right? But you as believers, if you don't know the word of God, you will be deceived. You got to be careful. We're in dangerous times. And people are out there to do anything for money and for power and for fame. Why do you want to be a subject to those manipulations? Amen. Let's take it again verse 24 of Matthew 24. For false Christs and, and false prophets, for, for, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show Small signs, great signs and wonders. You hear some things like, wow. You know, I don't want to go into examples because of our time. Jesus said they would do great signs and, and wonders to deceive. The reason why they are doing the sign and the wonder is to deceive. So a person who is just miracle, signs and wonders minded will be easily deceived. I said, well, they will be easily deceived because 
there's someone out there or people out there who want to give them something they are looking for. Amen. So let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 9, and let's to for our case study for today, Acts 8, 9. Acts 8, 9. It's quite a long read. We'll go all the way down to like uh, 23. But it's an interesting story. So let's do this. So, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. Now, sorcery there refers to the acts, the practices um, or spells of a person, black magic. You know, they do this black magic to, and we, so it's, it's, to make it more simple for you guys, is when somebody do signs and wonders, miracles with black magic, sorcery. But let's read what um, Acts, doc, what is documented about this guy in the book of Acts. So Acts 9, so I'll take verse, let's take verse 9 again. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria. He wowed them, right? Claiming that it was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Let me take verse 10 again. This same guy, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, which means the poor, the youngest, to even the elite. You know, I've been to Christian circles and it bothers me how I hear pastors and preachers, you know, place so much value on the word of scientists and they are trying to convince people to believe in Jesus because a popular or a notorious scientist made a statement about God. <laughs> okay, let me calm down there. It, it, it really bothers me. No, you don't need to. You don't need to quote Einstein or some people in your courses, on your programs, to get people who identify with those bodies, with those people, to believe in Christ. I've been to places where, in many of those things, in many of these meetings, you know, somebody's trying to talk to me about Christ, and they're saying even about instant said, I'm like, no, no, I'm not interested. Tell me what the Bible says and leave it to the Holy Ghost. Leave it to the Holy Ghost to do the work of evangelism. Present to me the gospel and let the Holy Ghost imprint faith in my heart. And the interesting thing is that, because it's quite common in England, I've been to a number of courses where they do say those kind of things that are very, very discouraging. And I have been, have had an opportunity and privilege to minister the gospel to Britons, Caucasians, and I didn't quote any, any scientist, and they got it. And you can see the power of God working in them. Don't try to use people. Don't, don't, don't minister the a, a, a scientifically proven gospel to people. That's not what gets people saved. The Bible says we should preach the gospel to the people that faith comes, the faith for the gospel, faith in Christ Jesus comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Let's stop all of this, use my testimony, use my this, use my that to, you know, if I tell them about my story, how God gave me a job, they will believe. No, no, that's not the gospel. You only whetted people, some people's appetites. What if you go to a place whereby the people are billionaires and they don't need a job? Am I making any sense this morning? So to this guy, um, Simon here, 
The Bible says, they all gave heed from the great, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is a great power of God. Well, these guys even still have a sense that the God still exists. But because this guy did signs and wonders, they say he's a great power of God. Likewise, too, what I'm saying is this. Many preachers out there, many miracle workers out there are on, operating with black magic. And I'm saying this with all authority in Christ Jesus. Because I've been there. I've listened to their message. I've seen what happens. I've seen the freak miracles that they walked out. I have access to those eight things behind. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes to see things. So let's compare this verse with Matthew 24, 24. They will come to do great things and wonders to deceive even the very elect. So the elect who is not well educated in the word of righteousness, who does not have a sound teaching, or who does not have good understanding of the word of God, when they go to such churches or such Christian gatherings, they will be deceived because they will say, this is the great power of God. This is the man of God. But the guy is operating under black magic with spells. Like I said earlier on, as a few weeks ago, you said some falling in some Christian meetings are not power of the Holy Ghost. They are spells. Even the very elect can be deceived. If you are a miracle-seeking Christian, if what you use to validate the presence of God is miracles, you will be very, very deceived. Someone just needs to go get some perfume somewhere and they spray it on the people that makes people feel drowsy and people start falling. You say, ah, the power of God is there. Take time, those men you know and women you know who are miracle workers, go investigate them. What do they teach? What do they know? Who did, do they know Christ at all? Miracles should not be done except they are needed. And the Holy Ghost quicken people with the working of miracles. Amen. So verse 11, And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. They listen to him. So if you're a miracle-seeking person, right, you will find out that you are listening to demons and the gospel of demons, the message of demons, because they have wildly astonished you. We should not be looking for cool stuff in churches. No, we come to fellowship. You should be looking to come and encourage one person, bless people, foster the spirit of unity. No miracles. Don't invite people to your church for miracles. Don't do it. It's, it's not right. It's ungodly. So after they get the miracles, what else? Don't do those things. So people listen to... So if you are a miracle-seeking person, you, you will be deceived. Verse 12. But when, but when they believed Philip... I loved this when I was reading this. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now, watch, watch, no matter how much sorcery is growing in any environment, if you carry the true gospel, if you know the true gospel, and you go there to preach the gospel, explain the gospel, handle the gospel skillfully, I tell you what, because the power of God is great, because the power of God is the greatest, because the Holy Ghost is the power of God, it's going to surpass, drown the impact of sorcery anywhere. So don't be discouraged by, ah, there's so much sorcery in certain places. No, if the Lord is sending you there to preach, you preach the gospel and watch the Holy Ghost do his thing. Don't copy sorcerers in doing the work of ministry. Because that's why many people go to sorcerers to get some jams, some charms and some black powers 
Don't copy people. Stay on track. Do what God is asking you to do. We are not called into ministry to, uh, to, to, make, to make money or to become famous. That's not the essence of the purpose of ministry. So stay on track. Spend more time to understand how God wants you to function and run your show. And when I said the show, I'm talking about build your church, run the meetings. Don't be very careful because most of the time you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I have access to information. I see things. I hear things. I see one popular minister of the gospel that even you know do behind the scenes. I know stuff. Amen. I know, I know things that I can't share. Because it's, it's not going to be, it's going to edify you. Amen. So be bold to preach the gospel. Do what God has called you to do. Be diligent. Focus on it. Don't look to the right or left. You can take example from me. You can take one leaf. Or my, we can take a leaf from my book. I don't give a rip what people say about me or how I'm doing what God has called me to do. You know, um, I was watching a, cele- uh, a celebrity. Well, not, okay. He's a celebrity turned Christian. Uh, out of curiosity, I was in t- I was um, it was being interviewed by Fox News, and I was just kind of curious because of the title of the message. And he's made a statement. He said, "I perform for an audience of one, and that is God." Man, that thing touched me. Somebody else said that thing before, but there's a way this guy said it, and I'm like, "That's it. That is it." Pastors, every minister of the gospel should should perform for, that, for, for an audience of one. Who called you? God. As long as God is satisfied, as long as God is happy, that is what matters. Anybody else may not be happy. Anybody else may not like it. It's, up to, it's their problem. Is God happy? So why do you want to do ministry and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people applaud you and God is so disappointed or feel so bad because what you have gone to do or what you're doing is to, um, is to amass claim, amass, you know, to, get, to get fame, acquire fame, acquire network, acquire properties, acquire assets. And God is not happy about it. Some people are not asked to start a church. Some people are asked to go support another pastor. And many other things. that are, Some people start a church because of pride. Some people had that title to their name, minister this. I've not seen any minister this in the Bible. And I'm, there's no offense, I'm just being honest here. I've not seen any minister this, minister that in the Bible. People should be comfortable to be called by their first name. We call Jesus by his first name, Jesus. We call God, God. And people get offended when you don't attach a minister to this, to, the, to their name. We're going to speak somewhere. And someone asked me, what title shall I put there? I said, put Tunde and Jolomi. It's very simple. My first name is Tunde. My wife's name is Jolomi. Simple. That's what we are. That's our name. No, no, no. A person who cannot respect us for who we are, then they don't respect us now. Then if pastor is attached to our name, it means you, do not, you, you, you don't respect people. So we need to do some teaching to teach people to respect one another. Not because a person has a title. I know some people can be very rude. I don't know why I'm going in this direction. But some people can be very rude. So sometimes when you carry a title is when they respect you. We need to teach those people. They don't even know what they're doing. Amen. So the either this guy is because of the lost sorceries he's been doing and they listen to him. Right. But when they believe Philip, don't, don't, forget, don't forget it. This is very important. Your business is just to preach the gospel. So, uh, verse 12. But when they believe Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Verse 13. 
Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. What was the first thing that Philip did? What did he go there to do? He went to preach the gospel. Signs and wonders happened, but what he went there to do was to preach the gospel. The gospel truth. Amen. Now, verse 13 says, Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not he had fallen upon none of them, uh, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You know, when I'm slowing down, it means something is coming. Let's carry on. Right, verse 18. <laughs> and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. There's something in my heart that I feel I should share before I carry on. And I was, it was also something that I was explaining to my wife this morning or retreating to my wife this morning. So the thing is, is the fact that someone is born again does not make them a, a sound Christian automatically. Most of the time, they will still be thinking the way they were thinking in the world even after they've given their life to Christ. And this is where people like me, pastors come in, teachers come in, to educate people about how things are done in the, in the new kingdom which they now belong to. We need to educate and train people to think differently, not like a member of the world, but a member of the household of God. So when a believer... He's still acting like a sinner. And when I say sinner, I'm talking about somebody who is unsaved and they're calling themselves all manner of names with all manner of gender identification. When a born-again believer is still acting, ascribing to, and embracing those identifications, it's because they do not know who they are in Christ Jesus. There's a possibility that even what, how they were led to Christ was through a sentimental message, a figuring. Amen. Yeah, because we have a lot of that. Amen. So this guy was a sorcerer, doing miracles, signs and wonders, deceiving people, doing that kind of stuff. And even though he is now saved, he was still thinking that way. So that tells you, man of God, man of God, the fact that someone gave their life to Christ last week and they've been coming to church diligently for the past three months, does not mean that you give them a leadership position in the church. You know, there's, I've met a few people who have some very serious character issues because they're babes in Christ. You know, they give their life to Christ. They came across uh, some pastors that I know who preach great, the grace of the gospel and, you know, teach them how to walk in the power of God and things like that. And these guys, they walk in the power of healings, you know, healing people with cancer and stuff like that. And these guys think because they can walk in the power of God, they can use the power of God to heal and do stuff. They thought they were mature. 
And unfortunately, so for some of those guys who I know, they put these guys into leadership, they call some of them, you know, they are PA, my boy, my this, my that. I am giving those guys a, sen a false sense of security, a false sense of maturity because those boys thought they were men and they go ahead and cause a lot of confusion, a lot of drama and a lot of pain for the body of Christ. I want a few men of God. I said, this guy, mark him. Don't bring this guy into leadership yet. This guy, mark him. But they don't listen until these people hurt other people. You know, there are sad stories, but it just makes me to be more confident in what God has called me to do. And I'm going to stick to what I'm doing because I don't, I've not experienced the pain that many people experience because I see the signs coming from afar. I just stick my nose in what the Bible says. It says, don't put anyone who is a new convert in the position of leadership to be an elder. No. And if somebody is coming to your church for the very first time, right, and they seem like, it seems like they are, they are passionate, you know, that does not mean that you, 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 you give them a position in the church. We need to learn to investigate people. Some people, they have pain. They have a lot of stuff going on in their life, sexual morality, sexual immorality issues. We need to be able to invest, find these things and, and help people heal and recover and, and be sound in mind and not be thinking about how we want to grow our churches, how many branches we want to open. Amen. Because these are people's lives that we're dealing with. Because one major uh, disaster or one major issue can, co can cause a huge disaster. We need to start learning to face reality in the church. Learn from the word of God. Practice the word of God. Amen. And go by what the word of God says, not how you feel or what you think. Amen. So let's finish this guy's story. So he was still thinking, though born again, don't, do you remember that he was, the Bible says it was, um, he too also believed, right? But he was still thinking, that's what the Bible tells us to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He said, do not conform to this word any longer, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This guy's mind has not been renewed. He, I don't think he's been part of a particular church where he's been discipled yet. He just started. He was following the disciples, the apostles. These guys go about preaching the, preaching the gospel. And when they raise enough people and they train someone in the word of righteousness or two, and they are mature, they, leave them, uh, they appoint them to be a pastor over those disciples. So people will call themselves apostles and go around preach. And they don't establish the work. Raise people, be patient enough to, to raise a person in that local area so that the, somebody can disciple the people. They're not, they 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 not being an apostle. I, just, I say apostle, this apostle, that. Let's show me your, your work. Show me the churches you've established that you took the pain to establish them until they have a pastor and you hand over, you, lose, relinqu you relinquish your control <laughs> over the church. And you hand it over to somebody who is able, who is reliable, who is able to pass on sound doctrine to other people. Friends, now when we do ministry and church this way, the growth in terms of numbers or um, awareness may be slow, but will have lasting impact on lives. This is ministry 101. Ministry 101. Amen. Anyone who wants to last in ministry, Okay, let me put it this way. Ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. I know we have so much going on around us these days, and a godly bull and covetous men who have gone ahead of us. You know, I said that with, um, you know, there's no remorse and there's no caution in my spirit. Huh? So, godly bull and covetous men who have gone ahead of us, I've kind of, I've kind of 
make us think that ministry is something you do to get fame and make money. And if you don't have numbers, you, you are not functioning. You are not working. Something is not right with you. So a pastor will just start a church six months because he only has 15 members in his church. Even one year, he was, you know, he's screaming, he's crying. He said, Lord, why? Lord, why are we not? Lord, why? Lord, why? It takes a while to get things right from the foundation if you are the one partnering the work because you are not affiliated to a church or something. There's so much to do. There's so much I've learned two and a half years besides things I've learned in Bible school and ministries I've worked with. So if you want to build a, if you want to build a ministry that will last, and this is speak, I'm not speaking only to pastors, everyone here, whatever God is laying into you, in your heart to do, is a marathon, is not a sprint, and you need to take time Take time to build solid foundation. You need to understand it. You, not that you should be perfect before you move, but you move at the pace the Holy Ghost wants you to move. Because if you move too quickly, you may, you may crash and burn. Amen. I just believe God is speaking to someone this morning. Maybe we'll have a preacher, a pastor in the house. I don't know. Amen. So, uh, but Peter said to this guy, to Simon, he said, uh, verse 20, but Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Your money perish with you. You know, likewise too, I can say that just that, you know, because I'm civilized, you know, so they say I'll, I'll, I'll probably not speak that way. But if somebody is coming to me to, to pay me so that I can heal them, I can say to them, your money perish with you. But I won't say that. I'm not Peter. Because whatever God has given you, you have no right or reason to pay for it. Now, this is a phenomenal statement. You need to pay attention. Whatever God has given to you in Christ Jesus, what don't you do? You don't offer money for it. And if somebody asks you to bring money for what God has given you in Christ Jesus, you should not give them. The gift of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing, deliverance from the power of devils and stuff like that. And I say, when I use deliverance here, I'm saying that with caution because I need to really, really interpret it. But let's say the casting out of devils in a person's life, I think is that, is that way to look at it. Because when we look at deliverance, we look at, we go back to Colossians 1.13, and every believer has already delivered. But with caution, you know, in context here, right? Anything that God has given to you in Christ, even blessing, for someone to tell you, come and sow into my life so that God will prosper you financially, is a lie. Is a lie. You give, you bless to the measure that God has blessed you. And you experience increase, that I know for sure. But anything that Jesus died to give you, no one should bill you or charge you money for it, and you should not give money to the people. Amen. Verse 21. Now, uh, Peter is speaking. He said, but you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Hello? Hello? If somebody is asking you to offer, to offer them money for something that God has given to you in Christ Jesus, their heart is not right. And you too, we need to check our heart for some things, we're kind of, some things we want to pay for. You say you want to tap into somebody's anointing, so you go and give them money to tap into that anointing. That's diabolic. That, it is diabolic to say a man of God can walk in certain anointing and you are going to put some money into it. So that you can tap into that anointing. And I hear all this kind of nonsense in many, many places. If you give into this life, if you put money into this anointing, you will experience the same anointing. 
Such people are cultists. They are diabolic people. They are not of Christ. We don't transact. Uh, we don't transact spiritual things, things that Jesus died to, for us to have. We don't transact them with money. We don't do that. We receive with thanksgiving by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. And uh, verse twenty-three, as I shut down, it says, "It says, for I see that you are." Pre-poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. I'll continue from here next week. Amen. All that blesses you guys. You know, seeking miracles all the time will make you fall into deception, lies, manipulation. But let's focus on the word of God. Let's make let's focus on the word of God and allow signs and wonders to follow us. Amen. Let us not be carried away by what we see. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to...